Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Good morning, everybody. Wonderful to see you all. Before we dive into the message this morning, I'm just going to do one more reminder to you. I know you've probably already heard about this, but uh, as an effort, in an effort for us to continue to do our absolute best that we can do at our mission statement, which we've had since we started, that is that we seek to guide people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, whether they're little tiny people or they're full-grown people, all right? We want all the people to be able to have that happen for them at the, the highest level possible. And one of the things that's going to really help us in taking next steps to be able to refine and make that even better around here is getting feedback from you guys. And one of the ways that we've set up to be able to have that happen, and many of you have already taken us up on it, like hundreds of you, so thank you. But if you have not, I want to encourage you, if you would text BF Survey to 970-00 and a third party. So we protect your anonymity. Nobody here will have any idea about your answers. You can be as brutally honest as you possibly can be. It actually would be very helpful for us to know the brutal honesty. Even if this is your first time, we don't care. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you would just fill out the survey, let us know um, your thoughts on some different things. It even will help guide some things we could do in the future that address some issues or needs that you feel like, gosh, I wish they would speak about this or talk about or dress or whatever. I would love to be able to do that, but you can do that through this survey. So please take a moment to do that, and that'll help us to be able to try to put our finger on the pulse of where you guys are and what's happening in your life and to be able to help address those issues and be able to help you as much as we can. So without further ado, we're going to dive into a series we started last week called Half Truths. And in this series, we're taking a closer look at some common phrases, philosophies, even theologies that have been passed around in our culture today that at best are about half true. And we're going to talk about why. Here are the phrases we're talking about this week. We're talking about God helps those who help themselves. Actually, we talked about that last week. Everything happens for a reason. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. All right? God won't give you more than you can handle. Love the sinner, hate the sin. And a lot of people, I, I like, how many of you would say, oh, I've heard those phrases a lot? How many of you say, I've heard of, kind of like maybe this week, somebody emailed you and gave you one of these, right? And so here's the thing a lot of well meaning believers, Christian followers of Jesus Christ use these all the time, but they have caused a lot of damage, discouragement, frustration, and even at times, and this is a unique perspective that I have as a pastor, it has caused, some of these have caused people to walk away from their faith altogether in God. And the reason for that is, is because at best, they're only about half true according to the Bible. And it's so important for us to know, what does the Bible actually say? What, what is true actually about the character of God? What did God actually say about certain topics? And it's important for us to kind of dig in because our beliefs are incredibly important because our beliefs always impact our behavior. Every behavior you have that I have that every person has, whether we agree with their behavior or not, it came from a belief system that beliefs always lead to behaviors. 
and people who misbehave, that do behaviors that hurt others, it came from a misbelief. Misbeliefs cause and lead to misbehavior. And here's the thing about behaviors that we all have to be aware of because it's the brutal reality of our world, that every single one of us have behaviors that come from beliefs, and those behaviors carry with them consequences that we have to live with for the rest of our lives, that we'll have to live with those behaviors' consequences. So it's important for us to back all the way up and look at what do we actually believe about certain things. This, this isn't really a series for you to be able to, anytime you hear somebody use one of these phrases, to correct them, you know, big time in public and, oh, no, 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 you don't. You're not going to push that on me, that half-truth. You know, like, no, but to be able to know the truth and when you see it starting to hurt or discourage somebody, to be able to speak that truth to them and to be able to encourage them in, in what is actually true. So, without further ado, I want to ask you a question to get started today. Have you ever had someone um, say to you, usually it's maybe through a, a time when you're struggling, everything happens for a reason. You ever heard, had anybody say that to you? Everything happens for a reason. And sometimes we have used it. I, I've used it before. I'm sure I have. Uh, and usually we use it to encourage somebody who's going through suffering, difficulty. We're trying to make sense of a seemingly senseless situation where they're heartbroken, struggling. And, and in essence, what we're saying is that it must have been their time this must have been God's will. And essentially what we're saying is not just everything happens for a reason, but everything happens for a divine reason. Like God is behind this. So you might as well just accept it. This is just the way it is. And this is something that God picked. This is what he desired. This was his will. This is an old theological idea. It's been around for hundreds of years. It's called theological determinism. Let me just define it real quick because you need to un understand what this is. Theological determinism simply stated is everything happens according to God's will. And I mean everything. Everything that you say or anyone else says or does, every behavior, everything. Now let me just say, in a world full of uncertainties, this is a very attractive theological view. And for some people, it gives great comfort to know that everything that does happen was supposed to happen exactly the way that it did, and that's what God wanted to have happen. Now, for some of you are already way ahead of me, because you're thinking, okay, yeah, but that poses all kinds of problems, and you are exactly right. This poses all kinds of issues, problems. Let's just take airline crashes for a second, okay? Major commercial airline crashes where nearly everybody dies or everybody dies. Then we would have to say that it must have been God's time for all those people. It was also God's will for all their loved ones to grieve simultaneously at the same time for having lost all of their loved ones. And you can forget about looking for through the wreckage for the black box because any kind of flight recordings, any kind of learnings or try to improve, you're just fighting against the will of God. He orchestrated this. You're really kind of wasting your time. There's really nothing you can do about that, right? 
And if we're going to say that, then you could go a step further and just say, well, I guess all murders were also the will of God. Every rape, every child molestation, abuse case, all terrorism was the will of God. All um, natural disasters were the will of God. You could go on and on and on. And if we could be brutally honest with each other for just a second, for some of you in this room, you would say, and that is why I was away from the church for so long. Because I was struggling with something that ugly, that dark, and that horrible. And some maybe well-meaning Christian came along and said, you know, everything happens for a divine reason. Everything happens for a reason. And I thought to myself, if that's, this is what God wants, this is what He wants, then I want nothing to do with that God. And you walked away. And maybe you haven't been back in church for years. We're so thankful you're back. But we have got to take this question seriously. Is there any truth to everything happens for a reason according to the Bible? Is there any truth to that? we got to really look into this because this has hurt a lot of people. It continues to right down to this moment. It hurts a lot of people by misunderstanding. Is this true and which part of it is true? So the answer to that question is it's about half true. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to start with the part that is true. We're going to talk about the truth, the part that is true in Scripture. And then we're going to talk about the untruth and, and, and what Scripture actually says is true. And then we're going to end with some great truth that will help you in whatever difficult, frustrating situation you may find yourself today in your marriage, with your kids, with your future finances, with your spiritual life. We're going to talk about God and how he can meet you in that and what he wants to do through that. So let's start with the truth about this phrase, everything happens for a reason. Here's the truth. The truth is we do live in a world of cause and effect, that everything that happens, it has a consequence. Actions have consequences. Behaviors have results, and we have to live with those results, as I said just a minute ago. If we choose to text and drive, national scientific statistics tell us that we are 23 times more likely to be in an automobile accident if we text and drive. Not two times more likely, not 10 times more likely, 23 times more likely. Whoo! Aren't you glad nobody texts and drives in this town? <laughs> right? That's dangerous. And we know that, like, we, this information's been out there for a while. Like, it's not new. What I'm telling you, you've probably read in many different articles. Like, it's new. It's not new, I'm saying. It's, it, it, there's a cause and effect correlation. There's this relationship between if you do this behavior, you're almost certainly to see this outcome. You're going to hurt you. You're going to hurt others. You might take a life, and it might be yours. Paul, in the New Testament, talks about this relationship is a part of the way God made this world and the way he made us as human beings. He says, yes, this is a very real part of who we are. He writes this letter to this church that he started in his first missionary journey in the town of Galatia. It was this Greco-Roman town where there was almost no Jews. And one of the big struggles that these people had was that they felt like, because this was kind of one of the pervasive teachings of the New Testament or the, the first century, and you see it in the New Testament, um, was that you have to become Jewish before you can become Christian. And 
it kind of makes sense because all the first Christians, um, the, nearly all the 12 disciples, all the first Christians, they all came out of the Jewish faith and they became Christians. Jesus was a Jew. That might be a surprise to some of you. He was a Jew, right? So a lot of people thought, okay, well, you got to become a Jew, like a good Jew, and then you could become a Christian. And Paul's like, no, you don't have to become a Jew first. You can just follow Jesus. You can become a Christian. And a part of the teaching he gives in this Galatian letter in the, first, in the New Testament is that he's trying to clarify also that we all need to take personal responsibility for our actions. And in chapter 6 of Galatians, starting with verse 5, he says this. He says, we are each, let's say this together, we are each responsible for our own conduct. We are responsible for our own conduct. He doesn't say, well, you can blame everything on God because you got no choice. He doesn't say that. He says just the opposite. He says, you have a choice. You, we each are responsible. He gives us a choice. And two verses later, verse 7, he says, and do not be deceived. God is not mocked for you. Let's say it together. You reap whatever you sow. Don't be deceived. A lot of people think, oh, no, I can do this and get away with it. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Like, it'll never catch up with me. Paul's going, don't even, that, that's not how it works. It always catches up with you. Absolutely. That you, just like the farmer, the, the seeds that you sow are going to create a harvest later on. There's a consequence to that. If you gossip about your friends, you're probably going to lose that friendship. They're going to probably figure it out. You know how many times I've seen that happen as a pastor, right? Oh, I was real secret. I was real careful. They, they always figure it out. They always find out. It's so weird. Somebody leaks it, right? It's a consequence. It's a part of, and it's all through the New Testament. We, the way we behave has consequences, and it's so important for us to remember that in this part of everything happens for a reason is very true, that there is a cause and effect relationship to the entire universe, that things that we do have a ramification, has a consequence to it. Now, here's the part that is not true and sometimes gets misapplied, okay? The untruth is I can't take personal responsibility for my actions. Why? Because... God is really the one charged and responsible for everything I do, everything I say, even the boneheaded, horrible, awful, wonder, horrible things that I do that, that really wind up messing other people's life. God must have wanted that. He must have needed that, or he wouldn't have allowed that. Do you see how people kind of get there? It's this kind of fatalism, fatalistic way of thinking that whatever happens was supposed to have it happen. Whatever is going to be, is going to be. Whatever's going to happen, is going to happen. And you and I can't fight against it. We can't do one thing about it. We can't change anything about what's going to happen in the future. So you might as well just give up. I mean, we're going to follow that logic. Why don't we wear seatbelts, right? We're just sort of fighting against inevitability, right? Why do you take care of your body? Why do you try to eat right and work out? Why do you try to stay away from... I mean, you might as well just eat bacon and drink lots of sodas every single meal. I mean, live it up. 
And if you get cancer, don't waste your time, for goodness sakes, or money on an oncologist trying to, to, to find cures or trying to find some kind of treatment plan. That's a complete waste of time. You're simply fighting against the will of God. You see? And then I saw this meme this week. I thought it would be really appropriate to share with you right in here. Here's the meme. This is Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Of course, this is like something he would say. Everything happens for a reason, and sometimes the reason is you're stupid and make bad decisions. <laughs> of course, I am taking this to a ridiculous extreme right now to point out a truth to you. The overarching teaching of the Bible is not of a God who is trying to micromanage every single decision and occurrence of every human being's life, but rather a loving Heavenly Father that is calling His children into a life of wisdom, into a life of a relationship with Him, to choose Him. And He even provides the wisdom. Like He's saying, I want you to choose wisdom over foolishness, wisdom over sin. But God knows that many times we choose the wrong thing, and there's a consequence with that. But God continues to pursue a relationship where He wants us to pursue Him and to choose Him over and over. We see this all the way back to the opening scene of the Bible. Genesis, first book of the Bible, chapter 1, first chapter, verse 28 God is speaking to the first two people, Adam and Eve. We're told that God blessed them, and then He said to them, here's what He said, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have, let's say it together, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This word dominion means to rule over, to have authority over. This was a command. This was something he says, this is what I'm putting you in charge of. God says, I make everything. I set the laws of the cosmos in motion. And then I'm going to turn over to a large degree the authority, the ability to rule, the ability to, be, to, to call the shots and to be in control here on this planet. Now, you, you know, we have been given this gift of dominion. We've been given this gift of dominion that God gave us. Now, does this mean, you may be asking, does this mean that God's ultimately not in charge? Of course not. God is absolutely in charge. Absolutely. But He has given us the gift of volition, choice, will. He calls His people over and over, both Old and New Testament, to choose you this day who you will serve. Choose what you're going to do with your life. Choose me, choose life over death, choose wisdom over foolishness, choose, choose, choose. He's constantly calling people to make the right choices. And God knows because these choices carry with them consequences. And many times in this world, people make poor decisions. And there is a ripple effect from those unwise, foolish sinful, sometimes very evil decisions that people make that hurt innocent people. And maybe you know, you love, you are close with somebody who was an innocent victim of a crime or situation that they shouldn't have been hurt. They, they had nothing to do with it and they were hurt or their life was taken and it shouldn't have happened. And it was horrible and it was awful. And I want you to know 
that it breaks the heart of God when things like that happen. As a matter of fact, this is why Jesus came. He tells us that I've come to redeem all of the world, all of creation, that I will make all things new in the end. Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. I'm making everything back to what it was supposed to be in the beginning. It got broken when sin entered into the world in Genesis 3. From that moment forward, that things were broken, the world was cursed, the world was infected, and everything, down to the weather patterns, natural disasters, you name it, everything is not as it originally was meant to be by the will of God. And what's interesting is that Jesus tells us as much that he wants us to be a part of rectifying and, and fixing some of these issues that are still with us to this day. But the truth is, before we go any further, I want you to see the truth is that God remains sovereign, but has given us the responsibility to rule over this planet on his behalf. It doesn't mean he's not involved. He absolutely is but he asks us to invite him in. And what's interesting is in the New Testament, we see Jesus over and over reinforcing this idea that you need God's help to do this life well, to be good at life and to, and to, to do life well. You need God's help and God wants to help you. He even tells us when you pray to God, here's something I want you to include. And Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 9, when Jesus gives a template, he, he says, here's how you ought to pray to my Father in heaven. Let me show you how you should pray. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, or holy or honored is your name. Your kingdom come, your, let's say it together, your, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, let me ask you a question. Jesus just asked us to pray that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If God's will is always done here on earth, without exception, would Jesus have included that verse in the Lord's Prayer? No! He would have said something more like, and we thank you, God, that your will is always done on earth as it is in heaven. We recognize the fact that your will is always done on earth, but it's not! Jesus wanted to make it real clear. You got to ask for this. You got to beg God. You got to, because He wants to, but He wants to work through people. Because the question that a lot of people ask is how? I don't understand how God does His will. How does He work out His will? How does God accomplish His will here on this earth? Great, great, great question, right? How, how does He do this? He does it largely through people who are willing to obey Him. He's do, he does it largely through people who are willing to obey him, who are willing to ask for it. This is where you and I, through prayer, say, God, help me to be a doer of the will of God. I want you to use me. I want you to leverage my life, my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my experiences, my education, whatever, everything, my family, my money, my, 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 my house, my car, my, where I live, everything. I want you to leverage it for your kingdom, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God does this. He promises he will do this by the work of his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God at work in our life as we ask for it, and that he will work through the Bible, through Scripture. He does it through four ways, through the Bible, 
He does it through prayer. He does it through godly counsel of other believers. And he does it through circumstances. That God will open and close doors. You even see it in the letters of Paul. He says, we tried to go into the city, but God closed the door. We tried to go over here, but God closed the door. Like he was paying attention to circumstances. God, we're not trying to manipulate things. We're trying to pay attention to what, what is God up to. But God uses his word. He uses godly counsel, prayer. He uses circumstances. And he does this to help us to make wise choices so he can use our life to spread and expand his kingdom here on earth. To back up real quick, it was Adam and Eve's choice that brought sin into the world, but it was Jesus' sacrifice that bought back the right and the ability for you and I to choose not to sin anymore. Paul says over and over, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are out from under the tyranny of sin. You don't have to live like that anymore. You can be free to choose the will of God. You can have him use your life as a funnel through which he flows and he uses you to change this world one life at a time. What a gift. What an opportunity. This is so much better than just everything happens for a reason. That God wants to use you and I to make a difference. Sometimes our decisions, other people's decisions, just sin and brokenness in this world causes heartache and pain and difficulty. And it was not God's will. It was not his heart. It was not what he chose. It's not what he wanted. But he can work with it. He can work with it. So the question that maybe some of you are asking is, what do I do? What do we do with, a, with your painful circumstances? What you're going through right now is so difficult in your marriage, with your kids, or your future, your finances, your career, your walk with God. It just feels non-existent, cold, desert-like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and what, what do we do in those kinds of moments? Paul, once again, writes about this incredible moment and what God is up to in those moments in this letter that he wrote to the Christians in the city of Rome. What's interesting is when he wrote this letter, he hadn't even been to Rome before. He'd never even met these people. He was sort of introducing himself to people he hadn't met yet. He was actually in the city of Corinth, finishing his third missionary journey, and was planning to go to Rome. And so he writes this letter, and in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he begins to unfold what God might be up to in those horrific, difficult, challenging times of our life. And here's what he says. If you would, let's read these highlighted words. He says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the, the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. That's right. Now, I want you to take a look at this and really think about it. And notice what Paul does not say. He does not say that everything that happens is God's will. Everything happens according to a divine plan. No, he doesn't even say everything that happens is good. He doesn't say that. He just says everything that happens, even the most horrible, painful, difficult, challenging, unfair, throwaway moments that you wish you could get rid of and never have lived a second in, those moments, God can take all of those together and work them for the good. He causes everything to work together for the good of those who love him and are working according to his purpose. That God can use it. He can leverage it if we will trust him, if we'll turn to him. We'll 
will give it over to him. When I was 32 years old, I went through one of the most horrific and difficult, painful experiences of my life. I lost my father to cancer, and I slowly watched him wither away and die. I prayed and prayed and prayed God would heal him. But the cancer was too advanced, and, and, it, and it, I lost my dad. And I remember through that pain asking God, what are you trying to show me through this? And as I started examining my own heart, my own life, I was pastoring at the time. I was very young. We had um, Allie, our second daughter, was only about one year old, and Emily was, or, or, or Lindsay was about four. Emily wasn't even born yet. And, uh, but I was working all the time, guys. I was a pastor. I don't think I took hardly a day off in two years. I was working all the time, but I could justify it because I was doing it for God, right? All the time. But I could tell it was hurting Leslie. It was hurting my relationship with my girls, and they were little. And I was like, okay, God. I think back over my relationship with my dad. It wasn't the times that we worked together. There were some of those good times, but most of it was the fun stuff that we did, hunting and going skiing and doing, my dad was a big outdoor guy. We did stuff crazy all the time. My dad was doing stuff with us, and those were all the greatest memories. I'm like, that is what I want with my girls. I want to be able to have time where I can spend with them, making memories with them. And you know, here at Brazos Fellowship, for you as parents, we encourage you to keep a jar of marbles, and the marbles represent symbolically each of the weekends that you have left with your kids before they move out. And this is a very poignant week for Leslie and I, because we are down to the last marble with my daughter, Allie. And man, I, this next weekend, I move her into her dorm, and I think back. And if someone were to ask me, do you regret even one moment that you gave to that girl that you didn't give to work? Not on your life. That was the right move. And I would have never learned that if I hadn't gone through losing my daddy. God taught me. He brought good out of everything. He taught me that. And I hope today this story maybe inspires some of you to say, Time for me to take a look at my schedule. I'm in way over my head. I need to slow down and begin to invest in my kids, my grandkids, my nieces and nephews. Invest in those younger people around you. It is so precious what God wants to do through your life. But you've got to have time. You have to have margin or it won't happen. And I just want to encourage you today. Here is the truth I want you to take away from this. The truth is that God, he's just as powerful. He will force evil to accomplish good for his children. He will force it into submission. He will make it turn into something good, a blessing to you, but you've got to trust him. You've got to say, God, I love you. I want you to use me. Even though this is painful, it's difficult, and I don't understand it. It's just confusing. God says, I can use it anyway. If you trust me, if you trust me, and here's the prayer I'm asking you to pray with me today. It's simply saying this, Jesus, I accept that not everything that happens occurs because you willed it, because God gives us choice, right? And sometimes people choose things that are not God's will. But everything can be used by you for my good if I trust you with it. Please cause good to come out of my circumstance. And what is the circumstance that you need him to work good out of right now? 
Maybe it's a situation with your child. Again, career, marriage. Maybe it's something just going on. You guys have been fighting, 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 and you're not sure you're going to make it. It's time for you to turn that over to the Lord and just say, God, I want to be your instrument in this. Use me to show your love to my spouse. Help us to get back to that good, healthy place. It's asking him, inviting him into the middle of the circumstance, and finally just saying, I love you. I trust you. I'm turning it over to you, Jesus. And right now, I want to just ask you if you would be willing to pray a prayer of surrender today to be able to say, God, I just want to offer you my circumstances right now and invite you into the middle of them, and I'm trusting that what you want will be the right thing. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.